Hi guys and welcome to episode 3 of the Matt and Music podcast with me, Toby Allen. The podcast where we talk to MENA musicians and industry leaders to find out their stories as well as chatting about the region's musical challenges. In this episode, I'm humbled and very excited to be sitting down with one of the region's biggest musical success stories, Hollywood. Ollie is one half of Holophonic alongside his partner in crime, Greg Stainer. They are an electronic duo from the UK based out of Dubai. Hollywood and Greg Stainer are the first electronic act to sign to a major label in the Middle East, releasing a number one debut album, Personal Space, in 2015. They have been featured multiple times on the likes of BBC Radio 1 and also as track of the week on BBC Radio 1 Extra. In 2018, they became a breakthrough artist for Sony Music in Asia with a number one on the Thai charts. In 2019, they have released their debut K-pop and J-pop tracks to much critical acclaim, as well as having their first Sony Global Priority with their hit single, One Night. The boys have performed alongside stars such as Pink, David Guetta, Seal, Robin Schultz and Coldplay as well as produced remixes for the likes of Nervo, Alan Walker, Dirty Vegas and Sigma. Fascinating journey, so let's jump into the interview. Good afternoon. Um, welcome to another Green Room for uh, the Manor podcast. Uh, I've got none other than Mr. Ollie Woods from Holophonic. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board, Ollie. Really appreciate it. Looking right. forward to having a chat with you. I'll do anything as long as I can stay at home. <laughs> Fantastic. How are you holding up with this um, in these challenging times at the moment? Fine, man. I mean, you know. It was disappointing at first because we had like loads and loads of live plans. You know, it was a big year for us from a live perspective. We were off to, to um, you know, what do you call it? We were off to South by Southwest, Ultra, Miami, you know, Miami Music Week, everything like that. That's kind of curbed and, you know, even Brighton Music Conference, you know, that's all kind of curbed now and stopped. So not only was that a revenue stream, but an excitement stream that disappeared. But we've just taken the time to... to you know, I'm, I'm glass half full, so is Greg, so it's kind of right, more time with the family and let's focus on making music, you know, so that's been the key for us. Fantastic. Okay, for those that don't know you, and obviously there's a few of us that do know you, but uh, there'll be some listeners, could you just give us a little bit of a background of where you're from and your early parts of your musical journey, that'd be fantastic? Yeah, so... Um, from the UK, uh, started kind of emceeing and doing my thing on the garage, like Southampton born. So started doing my MC thing in the garage days in club, you know, clubs around there when I was whatever, 16, 17. Um, and then kind of moved up into the drum and bass world as I moved to London, DJed on vinyl, R&B, hip hop, quite a bit in the usual clubs in the, in the center of London for a few years. Um, cut my teeth in the industry working for EMI Records in Brook Green in London, which is now obviously disbanded and nothing to do with me. Um, part of uh, part of Universal, um, and so you know all of that kind of cool catalogue from Ike and Tina Turner and the Fatback Band in that kind of funk 
American funk arena through to, you know, big kind of cool Britpop, you know, Star Sailor, Coldplay, Blur, Gorillaz, and even right through to Kylie Minogue, Robbie, that type of thing. So, I, you know, I was part of a huge team and was doing like a two years, almost work experience, paid work experience. So I learned a lot about the industry that way, the highs and lows and, um, you know, the lights and the, 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 the glamour, but um, also how harsh and difficult it can be. And then, um, you know, a few years in university, decided to kind of take a new challenge on, which was coming out to the Middle East. You know, it was a bit of an unknown for me and many other people then. Um, so from my perspective, it was very much about, right, I'm going to go and have this experience. I can afford to make a mistake, you know, if, if that's what it's going to be, you know, take a, take a bet um, and come out. And it was the best decision I ever made, kind of roll forward 2013. And um, I've known Greg, the other half of Holophonic that I then became. Um, you know, I did a bit of stuff on the, on the music scene here for years and was involved with, you know, club nights, MC and hosting, drum and bass, whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, and then met Greg and we, we, we kind of fitted the needs of each other. Somebody wanted a, you know, somebody, sorry, me wanted a, you know, a, kind of an expert in production. I had no knowledge of any of that. You know, I could knock out a few chords and, and lyrics was my thing. And I, you know, knew production from a direction pr perspective, but was, was nowhere, you know, I'd have to learn everything. And Greg had the knowledge in, in he was working and still does on logic um, was was a genius in the dance music field. Our genres of music and our taste mix. So then we kind of created Holophonic with an eye to kind of release music that was perhaps more commercial than we'd been doing before. Wanting to you know cut our teeth, see how we could do in that sphere, um, underground, overground stuff. And yeah, and we basically signed to Universal, and the rest is history. Really, we've had quite a few crazy, uh, crazy years, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Still Universal? No, we, we went so with Universal for the first album, Personal Space. This is I didn't this isn't a prop, it's just it just reminds me occasionally that look, look, <laughs> look what somebody defaced it as well. Um, yeah, we we signed this, so that was the only one no one took. Um, so yeah. So C D as well, kids. Very yeah. Um, still in its wrapping because I've literally got no, nothing like you know. Um, so use it as a beer mat, um, tea mat, coffee mat. Um, so, uh, yeah, so universal, then we, you know, one of the things about deals is, is that, um, we wanted to work with a major label when we first started out, as I think everybody's blinded by the lights of, you know, majors because, you know, that's the dream. Um, so from our perspective, it was, it was moving on to, so shaping that deal into what we then wanted to become, you know, it's being directed in a way um, uh, to create, you know, the EDM sound and that big kind of vibe that was going on then. But it wasn't really what Holophonic or at least what the two of us together should be creating, the output of our, you know, kind of musical, cultural upbringing and influences. Um, it was just what was cool at the time, which I don't think there's anything wrong with. But, you know, we learned a lot of lessons in terms of the way, you know, we were forthright. We, we realized that it's just about as much as us owning our brand as it is about working with a major label. So then we shifted over to Sony. We knew Mike, um, who, who runs Sony, and, it, you know, the opportunity was presented to us 
in, in a period of time when we were decision making to have more freedom to do it release by release, have more flexibility, work around it, meant we weren't so trapped into a big 360 deal, which meant, you know, everything was consumed for a number of years. And, you know, with Sony, we had that freedom to put out a few more different tracks and test the water a little bit. And they believed in us. And that allowed us to gather a bit of momentum in the dance music world. And we now find ourselves in the position where we have just released an independent record, which, which, you know, we did a project with Spotify, which we couldn't have believed how well it would go. We're kind of close to a million streams in one month now. Um, you know, we got added to, I think at one point we were on 27 million playlist reach on Spotify across 120 playlists. Um, and we were the cover of the biggest playlist in the world for electronic music, which was Mint. So that, that kind of thing was crazy. Can I just ask the name of that track for anyone wanting to go and look at it, listen to it? It is called, it is called Save Me. It is with an artist from Lebanon called Chris, X-R-I-S-S. Amazing voice, very soulful. Um, we went and recorded it in Ladbroke Grove in London in Damon Albarn's studio, um, Studio 13. And we spent two days, amazing days there with an absolute genius of, a, of a, uh, an engineer called Henry, who just allowed us to kind of get in the musical space rather than worry about the technical side of it. And, you know, he mixed and mastered Jay-Z and Beyonce's album and to have his influence on the track and the sound and stuff was great. And then Chris's voice and style mixed with our style. And there were, the track was originally given to us. So she wrote it and it was a kind of, to me, it was Lady Gaga meets um, Rag and Bone Man kind of funky not funky, but very epic soul track. And then we would, you know, there was a belief that it could be made into a dance track. So we changed a bit of that track. We changed some verses and some styles. And I think, she'll, you know, Chris will release that original at some point. And I loved it. But I think what we did with it turned it on its head and gave it a new new breath of life, which she didn't expect. And the reaction's been off the charts. I mean, we've had plays on Radio 1 in the UK. We're playlisted on uh, Kiss Dance um, in the UK on full rotation. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the, the bigger tracks for us that we've ever released. So, part, good start to the 2020 campaign, all things considered. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. Um, I wanted to ask, do you think this, um, all, all what the success that you're getting and um, is down to you being on a major label or do you think you could have done it as, on an independent? As yourself, this track is yeah, but just generally. This track, uh, this, track this track is self-released. It's oh, one of really? Most awesome. Tracks okay. Yeah. Awesome. How did you get to um, go over to recording David uh, Alban's? Um, well, uh, this was part. Of, so, so the 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 idea is Spotify launched a, a project called Radar, and obviously we put our time in over the past decade of being in the region and were on the radar of Spotify when they were formed. And I also, I make an effort to check in with everybody every now and again. You know, there's there's a very open team there that, you know, you know gave out their email addresses, let, you know, artists contact them, host sessions. Um, and, you know, I just kept on their radar. This is what we're doing. This is what's getting better. Give them the highlights, give them the updates periodically. And then when this project came along, you know, I, I was we were front of mind or top of mind, which is always important. You know, so 
it's just about not it's a for me it's about not hassling it's about making sure every time you give an update it's not asking for something it's giving something which is you know just so you know and then don't just give one thing so that you're sending loads of things it's like here's an email with six amazing things that we've done in the past two weeks or a month and then it's you know it's not that nagging hey can i do this hey can we do this hey can we do that it's like hey we're achieving this which makes you know if you're proactive it's more appealing for everybody from labels to streaming platforms. So basically they, they put us in this campaign, this campaign radar. The idea is, and we were, we were put alongside 36 other artists from around the world, including Chris. And the idea is to create music from different regions and break them globally and show the diversity of talent around the planet. Um, that you know can travel internationally. So you know there are various songs that have been done, but we again we were we we were paired up with Chris to do an English language song from from the Middle East. Um, I believe there will be other songs, obviously you know coming out of the. Well, I know there are other songs coming out of the region, which will be in Arabic, I'm sure, and 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 uh, as well as globally, there's some big tracks. And yeah, so that they flew us to the studio. You know, we were originally going to go to New York. Um, we were going to go, uh, where else? We were going to go to Stockholm. Um, but thankfully, I mean, everything, you know, the universe collided and, and we, we went to the UK for a couple of days, landed back. And obviously all of this, this kind of roller coaster of what's going, what, what had happened in China had kind of, kind of started to, you know, gather pace overseas. So yeah, we got in there and did it luckily in, in, um, I think it was uh, beginning of February, so we were, we were pretty close. That's awesome. Thanks for that. Some great bit of advice in there as well. Um, I wanted to talk about the Far East, actually, um, and something that stuck with, um, obviously, a chat I had with Mike once about how, why, um, you know, about how the, uh, a lot of dreams for artists want to go to the West, the UK and the States, but something that could be seen as a saturated market how did you? How did it come about that you got um, sort of? I'm not going to say pushed, but looked, explored the Far East, and then what happened in the Far East because of it? I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, well, I mean, from from my perspective, like you, you've you've got to be global. Uh, the you know music can't be siloed into different territories anymore with streaming it's more openly available i mean k-pop is the best example of that right um you know that's traveled globally and become an absolute monster so what what happened with us is we created a song when we were in um, london a few years before we i think it was probably around 2015 2016 um maybe a bit later and we and we produced a song with a girl called barbara that we absolutely loved it was very different to what we'd normally do it was more a um kind of up tempo live r&b kind of track and but we loved it so much that we thought you know whatever man let's just release it you know we're on a major we're not we're not dictated to that we have to just do dance um so at that stage of our career you know albeit we want to really focus on electronic you know dance music now and specific genres and within that. Um, at that time, we had more freedom. And, and with Sony, they loved the track as well, so we released it. Um, the good thing about Sony is they're, you know, obviously they're, uh, they're by definition coming out of the Far East anyway um, as, a, as an entity and a business. Um, but what they also do is they don't ignore that heritage and they, they're very, very well connected, as are most of the majors now. 
Um, you know, we know Tencent just bought, you know, a big share of, of, um, of uh, what's that called? Um, the holding company that have um, uh, Universal. So anyway, uh, for, from us, it was like, right, let's, let's, we push the track out to the world. And I think by the fact that Sony were in the mix with um, the right late, with the right streaming platforms, it got picked up by um, a platform called Jukes, J-O-O-X. And we constantly Google ourselves to see what people are saying because we don't want to miss anything. You know, it's, it's not uh, narcissism um, anymore. Anyway, it's, it's, it's practical now. It's not, it's not, it, it has a practical purpose. Might have come from the roots of narcissism, um, but now it, you know, it has a, it has a reason. So we kind of Googled ourselves and, and, and found out that, right, this platform Jukes is doing some interesting things. Let's click it. Let's find out more. Is it, you know, something that's ripping off our music or is it something that's legit? It looked legit and, you know, we found a way through VPNs and stuff to find out what we were doing. And it turned out that we were really killing it on this platform and the international playlist. We were, you know, to cut a long story short, by the time this track had done its course, uh, it, we'd been in the top 10 for 14 months, which is, you know, nuts. And this platform has 58 million subscribers. So, you know, you you know around the, around the region, in, and, and we were doing really well in Thailand. So that was our focus in Thailand. Then, you know, seeing all this, the connection to Thailand was, you know, and Dukes particularly as a platform, you know, it, it was absorbed into this ten cent network, which is you know a button that you press and it uploads it into the system. But then it was a case of right, how do I contact Dukes? So I used every holophonic verified platform that we had, and you know, Facebook, Instagram, blah 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 and emailed them on their platform and said, look, this is us. We've noticed we're doing really well. How can we do more for you? Can we do shout outs? Can we do, you know, can we give you an instrumental for karaoke, which is big in that part of the world? Can we, you know, well, whatever it may be, we're here to, we're here to do it. You now have direct contact with us. Um, let's do stuff. And again, what that turned into was we went over there and performed live. Um, we had to, you know, leave through a, quiet exit of the airport because there were literally, you know, screaming fans with signs at, at one point, um, you know, because of, because of this, uh, this, this track we did with this guy, Peck, um, it, you know, he, we, we were working with the biggest stars of, of Thailand who are still to this day, I can't like, the, I can't, if I look at Twitter, I have to just go through loads of stuff to find other things other than just his fans talking about the tracks that we've made. So we did a few remixes for him. We did some, what we, we actually flew out there for a week and was in an amazing studio, which I would recommend anybody that needs a studio break and has a few hundred dollars uh, to go to Karma Sound Studios. It's just outside of um, Bangkok and it's just on the beach. You live in, you know, um, residential studios as kind of a to scale, um, you know, slightly smaller scale version of Abbey Road. It's phenomenal. And, you know, we went and worked there and there've been so many cool, like that from the Lumineers to run DMC to Sigala, you know, there's so many people that recorded there. So we used that space and made tracks for up and coming Thai artists. And um, we made a track with the K-pop artists and we did remixes for big Chinese EDM artists. So we made a, you know, a decision that we would focus for a little bit to get on the radar of the rest of the world. Stop, stop getting involved with the, with the fight in uh, in Europe, where it was you know overwhelmingly busy, and do something in the middle in the Middle East and the Far East, 
uh, and look east, basically, where no one else was looking or paying attention to, because we knew that they were going to soon. And sure enough, Tencent appeared at ADE the next year and made House of China and everybody attended and it was the China's the way forward, you know. Um, but, you know, everything comes in ebbs and flows, so you just need to be everywhere, I think. Awesome. Um, do you prefer performing or producing? Um, I think they're two different experiences. I love, I love performing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's when it first started out as Greg and I, I was kind of MC at what I did and he was the DJ. And now it's kind of become the fact that we don't really, I, I don't want to be the MC because it's not right for what we're doing. Occasionally it works and, and we'll do it. But, you know, it's kind of taking that job where I'm, I've been learning over the years Greg, who's a supreme kind of, you know, DJ, been learning off of him how to do the things you can see. I'm kind of learning at home as well and doing my own thing because the beats that I used to mix were not dance beats and there's a lot more going on um, and a lot more you can get wrong, you know. It's kind of more disco stuff that I was used to. And so from my perspective, that's been something that I've been honing and I really enjoy the pressure of, of doing that live. Um, and then outside of that, you know, it's about reading the crowd. You know, half of what... A DJ's job is is to do as, as as artists is to read the crowd, get the crowd going. You know, work. Greg and I are talking constantly about what we're going to play next, and ha that, having that mate next to you on both sides up there is just a vibe. You know, so and I think that you know we're a very visual. You know, we're not bit standing there being cool and just being all floppy. We're just kind of like, which is fine, but we're we're more like upbeat and we're more getting into it. Um, so we enjoy that, and then. Equally, when we nail a track and we produce, I mean, it's been weird now because we're we're making music on Zoom, you know, and we're we're you know we're going backwards and forwards with MP3s, and you know, I've you know I've I've made what I've, I'm just going into my bag of tricks. This is my this is my latest. This is my toy, which every, which most bedroom producers will know because I had what a big one over there. What is it? A Kai MPK mini obviously because i can go up and down in the octaves but at the moment you know i'm playing around with a couple of um you know trying to be i'm not a, a keyboard player as per se i learned piano as a kid but i had a teacher that was a right bully so it put me off it a treat so i've kind of now kind of gone into the space of chord finding you know with different plugins and then when when i kind of chord finding um you know then then it allows me to see where the chord comes from and, and grow it and, you know, Greg as well is, is amazing at kind of putting together patterns and progressions and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, Piano House and stuff is coming back. And that's what we're looking at now, you know. that's For us, it's about, you know, the, the, the crazy thing that's happening now is that we're working a lot with, with people that are pitching us songs and acapellas and music from around the publishing world you know, that, that work with some really, with all of the art, big artists. So it, for us, it's like really absorbing that music, then creating our own thing and knowing what direction we're going in, which for us is the housey kind of route, which is the very, you know, MK, Sunny Federa, Gorgon City, we fit alongside those guys because they have the same influences as us. But then also that kind of tech housey banging route because we've always loved that, you know, groove and that vibe. And we've had some songs that have gone off in America and being played by, you know, the big kind of Electric Daisy Carnival owners and 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 some amazing, the Martin Garrix and people like that. So it, it's it's uh, Oliver Heldens. It's been a, it's been an interesting 
2020 in the weirdest of ways, you know? There's a lot of time to think. That's awesome. Um, you've been in the game a long time, I would say, you know, a few years. The importance nowadays of the modern-day musician, so to speak, is to understand that there are multiple revenue streams out there for, for artists. Um, very clear at this time, the unfortunate situation that uh, guys are in at the moment of their DJing gigs have just all been cancelled. Now, obviously, yeah. with Ramadan coming up here in the Middle East and with summer, that's left a lot of people, they're going to, you know, not to work until hopefully these challenging times are over, September, October, to start again. What have you been able to do um, over the last year or so is to understand different revenue streams and what can artists look at in order to make other revenue from the skill that you have? Um, I think from our perspective, we, were, we, we always knew that when we came into music in the region knowing that we wouldn't you know we're not going to make money immediately from selling music and um, we're not going to make massive amount of money from advances because advances are loans and we don't we, we didn't want to get down that route until the time was right um, and we wanted to make sure that we always had um, a way of funding this that wasn't going to just suck away from the other things that we wanted to do, whether that was, you know, you know, save to buy a house or whatever it may be at the time or have a family, you know, et cetera. So we were quite realistic of, of life in general, you know? Um, and I think because we'd been through, through it all really a lot, you know, we, we, by the time we've made a decision to come out here for a lot of people at that time when we did it, it was, um, it was a, it was a big decision. So we, you know, we'd gone through a lot to, to, to make those decisions. So for us, it was all about if we're going to do this, what other areas of our expertise can we bring into it? And it just so happened that I was, I've always been involved in kind of creative world from events to, you know, record labels to radio stations to whatever it may be. Greg, very similar as well, had a lot of knowledge in, in those different spaces and a lot of capability and his knowledge from an engineering and technical perspective in music. It kind of gave us the opportunity to identify other areas where music was important um, that we could get involved with. You know, we had relationships, you know, when Holophonic started out, we kind of, boom, we came into the scene, everyone was playing our song and and a lot of brands approached us. So that, that the brands who we had a relationship with as Holophonic and those that we had relationships with personally anyway, we reconnected with them and said, look, as well as that, we're going to create, we, we can make music for your brand as well, like actual music that we would make for fans that choose to listen to us. We can make stuff that fans will choose to listen to, but it's for your brand. What's better than taking the music of your brand home with you, etc.? So anyway, we, we, we kind of put together this other entity called Holosonic, Sonic as in, you know, the creation of, of, of music and sonic identities and everything like that. Holosonic has kind of grown wings and flown up itself it started off with an e with an emirates uh, track which everybody will have will have seen that comes on you know when you're just about to sit down on the plane and, and introduces emirates ice on all the planes around the world and it's that's got our logo on it as holophonic at that time then we use that as a catalyst to start communicating with other people and and building this agency and in, in effect it ended up with a range of clients from durex to um, Jamira from um, World Expo um, right through to, to, to Red Bull. So it was, it's been a real 
crazy journey of different things. And we don't just, we didn't evolve then from just music into a youth culture agency. So we've done consultancy with Saudi Arabian kind of brands that are growing. We've done stuff here. We've done stuff globally. We've introduced here two global entities. Um, there's all sorts that we've done in the sphere of music and entertainment. And then all of that money that's in there funnels back into to holophonic whenever needed and then back into our lives. So, you know, there'll always be that, you know, when there isn't that or there is that, they can coexist or exist separately, you know. And, you know, when it comes to Holosonic, we've actually got people that work with us now um, that we bring in and out freelancers so we have low overheads and can and can run it that way. But it's just using the network that we created and the awareness we have for the brand that we have, that people wanted to work with us. So we took advantage of that and then... From that point onwards, it was about, you know, the quality of the product. And we knew that we could crack everything and we can, you know, we can turn around the first draft of a track that, that you know, 70% gets accepted first time in, in 24 hours, 48 hours, because we know what they should sound like. We can, we know how to write a brief and receive a brief and we know how to put the music out. So that's, that's kind of been what we're looking at. And then basically making sure that we're connected to the world of music in every way possible. Amazing. I've got one final question for you, Ali. Um, one bit, if you only can give one bit of advice for new aspiring music producers, artists, what would you tell them or suggest? I don't like the word tell. Um, if, you, if you could have one bit of advice, what would you give? I mean, I, I guess, I guess, because there's a lot of different things, obviously. You can have two if you want, but one no. <laughs> no, I think the best way to capture what the the best way to capture everything is to, is to kind of say, look at your favourite artist, the the one that you aspire to be like. Then look at everything that surrounds them. So the music they make, the artwork they've got, the videos they create, the DJ gigs they do, the website that they've got where they're playlisted and streaming, how they get on radio, everything like that. And then if you can understand that they did pretty much all of that themselves, then you're on the right track. The key is to not really rely on anybody else, especially if you're just up and coming. It is to understand that in stages, you set yourself goals to have certain things don't rush it all at once because if you rush in and I've got a website, I've got a merch, I've got this, I've got that, and you know, and the music's bad, it's, it's a waste of money. If I've got the music's great, but everything else looks pretty naff, it's a waste of money. Everything has to move forward together and, you know, you add bits as you go forward. So I think it's about setting yourself targets and goals. The primary target being get your music up to the scratch. Be honest, be brutal. Like you, everyone high fives in the studio but when you're, when you're, when you're, the, rea the harsh reality is, is that it's just got to be as good as what's out there. And if you listen to your favorite Spotify playlist and go, yeah, this sounds as good. That's the most important. It sounds as good. The mix down, the mastering quality, and it fits alongside these, then start getting it out to people. But do it, you know, be classy, Indiana. Ollie, um, really insightful. Um, and I thank you immensely. You created a lot of value um, to those listening. Um, where can people find you? Um, are you on social? Are you happy to 
answer anyone, reach out, what's the best place for the people to get hold of you? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean the best way to reach out is going to be at Holosonic, H-O-L-L-A Sonic, S-O-N-I-C, um, on Instagram, um, which is the easiest way. Um, then, um, you know, and that's just to reach out about anything, music, you know, production, everything like that. Um, and then if you just hit us up on, on our actual Instagram at Holophonic and on all other platforms, we tend to pick up everything. Sometimes better to do it in, in the comments rather than the, the, the DMs because now it disappears off into some, some hole and, um, we do get a lot. We do get a lot of stuff. Um, more, more so recently, um, we've noticed. So it is actually there's quite a bit of stuff in there, and it's not all um, wonderful stuff. It's just some, you know, bots. But um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to find people, and we don't want to ever ignore people. So just just comment and you know tell us you put a message in or whatever it may be, and we'll try and respond to everyone. Is there lastly? Is there anything that you would like to have said that maybe I didn't cover? No, man, it's all good. I mean, I think it's interesting times. I think as the world starts, you know, every man and his dog has got a live stream going. Um, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting time, and I don't want to take away from live events because uh, you know they're what they're what sh- they're, they shape memories, and 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 they they they're going to come back stronger and bigger and badder than ever. And you can't ever you know beat that shared tangible experience. But I think people are more used to the virtual world than they ever have been before and the digital world and this kind of communication and live streams and stuff. So I think it's going to be a really interesting space to watch how major artists, labels, etc. you know, defective, good example, Calvin Harris, great example, what they do now and the amount of traction they get. I think that is a complementary aspect to, to um, the, the, the live music festival experience ongoing always on is is going to be really really interesting watch this space Ollie once again thank you so much pleasure well that's all for today's episode of the Man of Music podcast thank you so much for listening and a big thank you to Ollie for joining me I really hope that you found that interesting and gained something of value from the chat. If you like this episode, then please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I'd really appreciate a review as this really helps us spread the man a message of help. Lastly, if you want to join the Minas region's newest thriving music community and learning hub, then head over to our Lab Musica Facebook page. The link will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and keep safe.